98.7 FM. 98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. Are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. Then I'll begin. Okay. Here we go. Arizona sports goes local. Local. That is awesome. We're giving the mic to local hosts right here in Phoenix. Whoa, snap. Because what's a Saturday without sports? FM, Arizona's Sports Station, Arizona Sports Saturday. And a happy Saturday to all of you out there listening across the valley and across the country. This is Arizona Sports Saturday. It is your weekend stop for live and local sports talk. Mitch Vereldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass. We are live from the Auction Community Studios on what is a really Good Saturday if you're a sports fan, particularly college football. It's a huge college football Saturday right now. A close game, 10-10 tie between Alabama and Texas in Austin. Are you kidding me? This is already set up to be a great finish there. And then on the opposite TV, so to pull back the curtain real, real quick, this studio that Steve and I are in has four televisions. Uh, two of them are on. Why the other two are off, I have no idea. They don't work. It is an way. ancient mystery. But on the second television, Steve asked me before the show, hey, do you know if we get the Big Ten Network in here? And my immediate thought in the back of my mind, knowing Steve's background, is he probably just wants to watch the Ohio I State I got my game. Buckeyes on TV, yeah. That's not a big game, I'll admit. That's lo and behold. Ohio State, Arkansas State. That's not a big game. I, I'm going to be fixated. I think most people around the country will be fixated on the end of this uh, Alabama-Texas game. Quinn Ewers, quarterback at uh, at Texas, out. He threw for the fourth most yards a team has ever thrown against Nick Saban at Alabama in the first quarter and then got injured they're now on their backup quarterback and trying to upset the number one team in the country in Austin, Texas. How insane would that be? The Arizona Cardinals would like to say, hold my beer. Yeah. Because I don't think, okay, look, granted, it's probably the most important position on the team to now be down against what is the presumed favorite to win the national title again. Shocker. But the Arizona Cardinals are dealing with quite a fair share of injuries as well. So Yeah, credit to our guy Zach Larson just now for doing a quote-unquote quick injury update on the Cardinals. It is not quick. It is pretty extensive. (laughs) When he said, quick update for you on their injury report, I was like, I don't know how he's going to pull that off. It was definitely a mouthful. It was a lot. (laughs) There's a lot of guys. Got the injury report right here. So if you missed the SportsCenter update with Zach, here are the official statuses. Seven players for the Cardinals have official statuses, by the way. Oh, is that all? J.J. Watt, Zach Ertz, Byron Murphy, and Justin Pugh are all game-time decisions on Sunday. (sighs) Three players have already been ruled out for the Cardinals. Oh, good. Cody Ford, the offensive lineman who was just acquired from the Buffalo Bills two weeks ago or so. Yeah, cool. Uh, Trayvon Mullen, cornerback, is out. He was just acquired from the Raiders like two weeks ago. Oh, jeez. And then this is the one that probably headlines all of the injuries heading into this weekend. Rondell Moore, who was fine Wednesday, was limited Thursday, and then it had come out Aaron Wilson with Pro Football Network had reported that Rondell Moore suffered a hamstring injury, and apparently it's so severe he didn't practice Friday and he's not playing this weekend. 
Yeah, a couple guys go in the wrong direction. Usually on the injury report, you see guys go the other direction. It's a lot of guys going the wrong direction. Well, and, and it's in a lot of key positions, too. I mean, we're going to talk more about Rondale Moore coming up, but really that's a wide receiver room that's already kind of hindered by the fact that your star wideout is suspended for the first third of the season. You've also got an offensive lineman in Cody Ford, who I I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a starter. I was and then the, say, like, the depth chart came out, and he was a swing guard. I'm backup. looking at this, and outside of Ford, because I just don't know, they have five solid guys on the line already. That's that's starters. Yeah, tra- all of those guys are starters. I don't uh, Trayvon Mullen. I, I think a lot of us anticipate he probably would have been a starter just because of the lack of depth with Antonio Hamilton's freak cooking injury and all of this talk about how Marco Wilson needs to step up. They got to show something, et cetera, et cetera. And listen, I, I'm not trying to like paint this super dark picture or anything, but Byron Murphy's got an illness that leaves him questionable. He did not practice yesterday either, yeah. so. I, I, I hope that he's starting to feel a little bit better um, so that he can play on Sunday. But that's a really hampered quarterback, uh, cornerback room. Yeah. Like that's Trayvon Mullen, Byron Murphy, and then you already knew Antonio Hamilton's injury situation. So then here's what you're All left you've with. got left is Marco Wilson. Here's what you're left with for those of you trying to count at home. As you mentioned, Marco Wilson, who's the second year corner out of Florida. You have Christian Matthew, who, if you don't know who that is, that's fine. It's a seventh-round draft pick out of Voldosta State, I believe. Don't even know what that is. He was initially cut, brought back to the practice squad, and then recently elevated after Antonio Hamilton was placed on IR. And then you have Javelin Guidry, who was just claimed off the New York Jets waivers. Those are two, if not three, names that most Cardinals fans don't know. And I'm not saying that they're going to be bad players. I'm not trying to make that insinuation at all. Your I'm just confidence saying, is knocked a ton. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying. You went from having three guys. I mean, if, if Marco Wilson, Byron Murphy, and Trayvon Mullen were all out there, I would be like, okay, we can we can maybe hold your own. You've got two great safeties. That's going to help. Maybe Marcus Golden comes back and, and puts some pressure on him. You could maybe pull it off. With two of those three guys out, or or at the least questionable, I don't know, man. And Antonio Hamilton was really gaining the favor of the coaching staff. They were talking glowingly about him being a starter on this defense. That's about as unfortunate as unfortunate gets. You know, you get to that high point. You finally have put in all the work. You've been in the league forever. You've gone from team to team to team to team to team to team. And now you're finally labeled by the head coach to the media, to the world, as your number two cornerback. And then the worst possible sort of injury happens to you. There's a lot of other questions here, too. Justin Pugh being questionable. If he somehow misses the game on Sunday and Cody Ford is already listed as out, who's playing left guard? That's a potential hole. Uh, I'm also looking at J.J. Watt is questionable. He only played seven games last season. And that's probably why that one is more frustrating. Beyond the fact that the defensive you know, pressure, the edge rush, if you will, is... Lacking since Chandler Jones walked in free agency. It's not a deep room. It's not deep. And J.J. Watt was supposed to be one of the anchors of that pass rush, off of that edge rush. I actually look at it two different ways. I look at there's a defensive line group, and then there's the edge rush group. I consider J.J. Watt a part of the defensive line group. Like It's him, it's Zach Allen, 
It's Lucky Foto, Rashard Lawrence. Like, that's uh, Michael Dogby. That's the defensive line. Yeah. And then you've got the pass rush situation, which is another huge question I have because when the depth chart came out, (laughs) it listed Marcus Golden, who we all kind of knew was going through like a contract situation. He wanted more money. He ended up getting it. uh, Was that just yesterday, I think? Just yesterday, yeah. He's going to get another year and six and a half million dollars, which I think he earned and deserves. 100%. Um, So magically, he's back on the field. It looks like he's probably going to play. So. You've got him on the edge. You've got the two rookies they drafted and Cam Thomas and then also MyJ Sanders. And then on the depth chart, it lists Devon Kennard as the backup edge rusher. He's on the practice squad. <laughs> He's not even on the team. Like, he can't play in the game unless they call him up from the practice squad. You know, it's funny because Kingsbury was asked about it earlier this week, and they said, oh, well, the plan is that he would be there anyway. So my bigger question is, is what the heck is going on with the roster construction? You've got a guy that you're just going to elevate from the practice squad every week, guaranteed? Then why is he on the practice squad? I guess maybe it's a creative way to hold on to all of those guys. Because, for instance, you could have cut MyJ Sanders. Would somebody somebody else have gone and picked up MyJ Sanders or Cam Thomas? Whereas you kind of felt, well, Devon Kennard's a little bit older than those guys. Maybe even a little more expensive. Maybe somebody doesn't want to pick him up. We'll take the risk on Devon Kennard. And I don't know, maybe it worked out exactly the way that Steve Kime wanted it to. But at the same time, I'm looking at the depth chart and I'm like, you have a practice squad guy listed higher than your two mid-round picks that you spent on pass rushers. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve that. I think he might be the better player there. It's just he's not on the roster currently, the game day roster. It's not a lot that makes sense. Yeah, it's very confusing. There's not a lot that has left me confident heading into this Sunday. Cliff Kingsbury yesterday, when he's asked how he preps for a game with all of these injuries. Yeah, you, you try to establish some backup plans with, hey, if this guy can't go, um, this guy will be taking that play. If that guy can't go, he'll be taking that play. And so you, you prepare for those emergency s- scenarios. And uh, like I said, skill-wise, we feel like we have some good depth there that guys can step in and uh, and play. And, and same with on defense. Um, cornerback, we've talked about it. The depth there is, is a bit scary going into week one against this team particularly. But, um, you know, we, we feel like some other positions we have good depth and guys that can step up and contribute at a high level. I wonder what his plan is when he has to prepare for the emergency to the emergency backup. I, I think the most frustrating part of all of this is if you're a Cardinals fan and you've been watching the preseason games, you've noticed that a lot of the names you recognize aren't playing. They didn't play in the preseason. Kyler Murray didn't play in the preseason. He's not injured, thankfully. Uh, I, I saw Colt McCoy's been dealing Had with to stuff. Be put on IR. He's out yeah, for the next he's on four IR. games. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. JJ Watt hasn't played. He's injured and questionable for the game. A lot of these dudes are starters. R- Rondale Moore hasn't really played much. Uh, Byron Murphy. Why are all these guys injured when you just went through the process of not playing most of them in the preseason? Or if you did, you played them very minimally. It's the most injured team I think I've ever seen going into week one. I mean, if they're not going full speed, then you have to wonder, what are they doing at practice? Because there there cannot be another explanation as to why all of these guys are suffering these types of injuries. And we heard the commonality, soft tissue, when Steve Kime was on with Burns and Gamba yesterday. That makes it a whole lot worse than what we anticipated. By the way, uh, you want me to read you the Chiefs injury report? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Frank Clark is probably going to play. He, he's got an illness, but he's probably going to play. Okay. That's it. That's the whole injury report. Oh. That's the whole thing. 
Man, that was quicker than there's when a Zach couple, read the Cardinals injury report. There's a couple guys listed on here. It's like Dion Bush, full participant every single day. Malik Herring, full participant every single day. Trey Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster, Darian Kennard, all of them full participants all week long. They are fully and completely healthy going into this game. Cool. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. No, it's, it's not a pretty not. picture. It's not. Well, let's see if you and I can paint a better picture coming up next because we understand how thin the depth is at wide receiver going into Sunday. So is this guy poised for a breakout performance? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. Sure, I want to play, so whoever's going to play me, um, I hope that's where I go. And this here, if they're going to give me reps, then uh, I'm happy to be here and happy to make plays, happy to impact, uh, make an impact for this team. Um, so I hope uh, that's the case. I love Arizona, and we're going to see what happens. That was Cardinals wide receiver Andy Isabella with Paul Calvisi post game after the last preseason game. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Vereldis with you talking. Arizona Cardinals football, they've got week one matchup against the Chiefs tomorrow, and they're down some receivers. We knew about Hopkins. We knew DeAndre Hopkins was going to miss the first third of the season or so. But now Rondale Moore suffered a hamstring injury during practice, will not play in this game, an opportunity perhaps for Andy Isabella. Let's not forget, too, Antoine Wesley, who's been on IR for the past several weeks, due to his own injury. So that's three main wide receivers already known out for this game. And to your point, that immediately elevates Andy Isabella into a likelihood of way more reps than he was probably guaranteed to begin with if Rondell Moore was healthy. Yeah, I mean, listen, he wanted an opportunity, and I I don't blame him. If you remember back, uh, I think it was this offseason, the Arizona Cardinals gave Isabella and his agent the opportunity to go seek a trade. Yes, Clearly, they didn't find anything, or it just didn't work out, whatever the case may be, and he's back with the Cardinals. Makes the 53, which is what he was talking about there with Calvisi. Mm -hmm. He wanted to make the 53, but also wants an opportunity somewhere where he can play. He doesn't want to just be on the roster. He wants to play. Yeah, and I get that. And I like that drive in a player. I, I want my guys who are on the, the tail end of the bench to be that kind of player. I want them to be want to be out there so that they will capitalize on the opportunity that they do get. Right. And I feel like this Sunday might be that chance. Because Rondale Moore and Andy Isabella are very similar in stature. Speed is their number one uh, weapon. Their number one threat that they, they bring is that. And I feel that if anybody could kind of fill that void left by Rondale Moore, it's probably going to be Andy Isabella. So don't be surprised if he's out there quite a bit on Sunday. Here's another factor we can add to this equation. Zach Ertz's game-time decision status for this Sunday, too. He probably could have been an easy security blanket option for Kyler Murray if, you know, whatever the main read is not there, or if you need a guaranteed catch and Zach Ertz is right there in the open part of the field. There's probably guaranteed six guys who will have opportunities to catch passes from Kyler Murray on a regular basis. I'm predicting this. Between Marquise Brown, A.J. Green, Greg Dortch, Andy Isabella, Trey McBride, the new tight end, 
And then Max Williams, who's now fully healthy. You can throw James Conner if you want in there, too. But how many times are they going to be using James Conner in passing sets? I don't know for I sure. I don't know. He went on a string of games last year oh, where yeah. he was making one-handed catches. Right. He's, he's good at catching the football. He's good on the wheel routes out of the backfield, whether they line him up on the receiver line. I don't know. But my point being is that if Andy Isabella is in that top group of six, my question is, is he in the top three of that six in terms of, all right, these are the guys I'm going to target. We assume Marquise Hollywood Brown will be the number one, AJ two. Is Isabella that third best option for Kyler to find on an offensive pass play? Yeah, listen, I mean, preseason games are what they are. Take take it for whatever you want it to be. Not a lot of starters play. But Andy Isabella was their best receiver in the preseason. You look at the last game they played against the Titans. Andy Isabella, five catches, 115 yards. He had a 74-yarder. He was targeted eight times, which is second only to Greg Dortch. Uh, in the game against the Ravens, he had five catches, 54 yards, which is second only to Victor Bolden in that game. Week one in the preseason against the Bengals, four catches, 57 yards. He led the way for the team. Andy Isabella got an opportunity to play in the preseason and took advantage of it and did a pretty good job. And now he's likely, I think, going to be asked to do Rondale Moore's job and just kind of slide right in where he left off. I think this is a real opportunity for Andy Isabella to prove that he still belongs and, 100%. And you know what? Maybe Rondell Moore comes back in week two and he's relegated back to the bench. Maybe down the road, some other team in the league took a look at the game film on week one and says, you know what? Andy Isabella really took advantage of that opportunity. We'd like to take a flyer on him. And maybe there's a trade in his future. Or maybe he sticks around as a contributor for this Arizona Cardinals team. There's a lot of good opportunity here on Sunday for Andy Isabella. You know, it's interesting. I remember the Burns and Gamble show asking a question this must have been shortly after that final preseason game for Isabella or shortly after the 53-man roster. We basically asked, what will this season look like team-wise for Isabella? Sounds like this year he's going to start with the Cardinals. Where he ends up at the end of the year, we have no idea. But basically the question was, does he start and end the year with the same team? Being, does he get traded before the season starts and then he remains with that team all year? Does he start with the Cardinals and then get traded later on? Or does he start and finish this season with the Cardinals? This might, and granted, week one is overreaction week. You and I both agree on that. Sure, yeah. This might be the game that really starts to get some phone calls if Isabella still wants to be traded and still wants that big opportunity elsewhere. You've got nobody in your way if you're Andy. And you want to be the one that proves that you're still a capable receiver in this league? You want to shut the doubters up? I know it's a two-way street when it comes to being a wide receiver, but make every moment of every opportunity that you're given on Sunday. You know, something else that I was reading that I found interesting, and I want to give full credit to uh, Vince Murata from The Morning Show. Our uh, hosts and reporters did a piece at ArizonaSports.com. You can go read it right now, where it was basically your bold predictions for the Cardinals for this season. Yes. And I really appreciated Vince's because he said, he essentially said, A.J. Green could be one of the most productive wide receivers in this offense, especially early in the season. We know Hopkins is out. That that has been talked about ad nauseum. Yes. That to me, means that Marquise Hollywood-Brown is probably going to draw the majority of the attention defensively for the first six weeks at least. Meaning that 
AJ Green and, and by all accounts, his relationship with Kyler Murray has gotten better. That they made it a point this offseason to work on their communication with each other. Right. Clearly something was off between the two of them last year. You could just tell by the body language, by them like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know? It it just was very contentious. Yes. If they've truly improved that over the offseason, which I hope that they have. AJ Green had a nice season last year for a guy who was considered second or third option. He still had a pretty decent season. I think it was he had, I believe it was he had the most receiving yards of all of the free agent wide receiver pickups last offseason. Like, he wasn't more, bad. More than Kenny Galladay, more than Corey Davis. And granted, those guys were dealing with injuries and far inferior quarterbacks, but. A.J. Green on a one-year prove-it deal with the Cardinals had the most yards of all of those wide receiver pickups that offseason. 2021 regular season, 54 catches. That's not that much, right? 54 catches, 848 yards. It's pretty good. An average of 15.7 per catch. Three touchdowns is not super impressive, but I mean, hey, 54 catches. Now, if that number goes up because he's replacing DeAndre Hopkins or, or getting more looks because Hopkins is gone and now Rondale Moore is out for the week one... I kind of like Vince's take a lot. I think A.J. Green could play a huge role in the first couple of weeks just because I don't think a lot of attention will be on him. I think he has to. Because I think, to your point, there won't be attention on him, probably because defenses underestimate him, and they're probably using a majority of the tape from the second half of last season. You know, ev- Ever since he didn't turn around against Green Bay and the Cardinals lost that first game of that season, it's just been straight downhill. Everyone's opinion of him dropped unfairly, I think, too. That place, it stinks, right, to look back on it. But at the same time, it was unfair that we all kind of looked at A.J. Green like he was nothing after that. I don't know. I th- I mean, a lot of it is going to be dependent on what Kyler Murray, who Kyler Murray decides to throw to. But I think, I think A.J. Green, with that veteran presence... He's going to feel like a security blanket in some aspect, especially if you don't have Zach Ertz. Like, of course, you have the relationship between Marquise Brown, and we know how fast Brown is, but he had a lot of struggle with drop passes in his time in Baltimore. He had the opportunities on breakaways, and he just couldn't reel it in. That kind of concerns me. Albeit, Kyler is a much ac- a much more accurate quarterback than Lamar Jackson, but it still stands to be seen. I think the familiarity that A.J. Green had last year, and if they truly worked on it this offseason, to your point and to Vince's point, it could be the best option that they have these first few weeks. Coming up next, tomorrow, an Arizona Diamondback will try to set a franchise record that you have to hear about. It's coming up next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports. Breaking news. Yeah, so Steve and I have talked a lot about injuries, and we just had a conversation about wide receiver depth. Well, looks like the Arizona Cardinals are addressing just that from Aaron Wilson, who's with Pro Football Network. Excuse me. Arizona Cardinals are signing wide receiver Andre Bocelli to the active roster from their practice squad. Here's the kicker, though, to a two-year contract per a league source. Huh. That's, uh... That was that was more interesting to me than the fact that they were signing him from the practice squad. Yeah, adding a receiver makes sense at this point, right? We just talked about how Rondell Moore is going to be out for this game. Yes. I anticipate that it would be an Andy Isabella who would get the opportunity on the field yes. to replace him, at least in terms of snaps and, and attention. Um, but this is interesting. So now we obviously knew that they liked the player. So getting him right. up I mean, off he the was, practice squad makes sense. Like 
Yeah. He was on the practice squad, so they're familiar with him. But signing him to a two-year deal is a, at least a little bit interesting to me because I, I don't know why you would make a multi-year investment in the player. If you really only need him for, let's be honest, like six weeks. Four weeks, probably, at the most. Maybe less, yeah. That's that's a really interesting decision. I, I I don't fully understand it. So again, right now it's just reporting, but Aaron Wilson's been pretty on point. He was the one that broke the Rondell, New, Rondell Moore news earlier this week. Again, he's saying that the Arizona Cardinals are signing wide receiver Andre Bocelli to the active roster from their practice squad, and it's for a two-year deal. So it sounds like they're pretty committed to him. I think, yeah, and, you know, you give multi-year deals to players that you want to utilize. I mean, like, I would imagine they wouldn't do this if they just wanted him to be around as just a depth right. option. I think that's probably what he is in the short term especially, but very interesting. You don't see guys get called up from the practice squad and get two-year contracts very often. No, not often So they all. must really like the player. All right, we've stalled long enough. He's swung on and belted deep to left field. Diaz, second homer of the game, walks it off for the Rockies as they win it 13 to 10. Boy, no doubt about that one. And just halfway up the bleachers and left. Yeah, definitely no doubt about that one, Candy. That was the final call from the Diamondbacks Radio Network. The Diamondbacks at one point were down 8 to 1. And so you're thinking, all right, insurmountable. They can't do it. <laughs> well, about that. They scored nine unanswered runs. In the fifth inning, without recording an out, yeah, and then they lost thirteen to ten. It was funny. I so my girlfriend and I were at a bar last night mm -hmm. while the game was on, and when I showed up, uh, it was eight to two. The Rockies were winning, and she says, "Man, the Diamondbacks—they just can't—they just can't do much of anything right now." Five minutes later, it was ten to eight. The Diamondbacks <laughs> were leading. I swear, <laughs> it was crazy, and everyone was going nuts, just loving this game. Um, aside from just what last night's game represented, tomorrow is going to be interesting. Zach Gallen has a 41 and a third innings scoreless inning streak. He's going to be pitching in Colorado. Yes. And going for the franchise record. The mega unpredictable environment, apparently. He needs one inning scoreless one. to beat Brandon Webb's franchise record. And then also, by the way, I think I read Zach Gallen is currently eighth all time. So this is a pretty remarkable stretch. Now it's Colorado. We know that the ball flies in Colorado, so that's difficult. But they're not the most difficult team to face. Okay, let's simplify this conversation really, really quick, and then we'll go deeper. Does he get the one inning? It's the first inning. Does he get through the first inning without allowing a run, yes or no? Yes. I'm going to go yes. Okay. Because I believe in miracles. Okay, so beyond that first inning, Oral Hershiser's record, I believe, is 59 innings without allowing a run. Now, I know that's looking pretty far ahead, Yeah, but realistically, that's two starts away, and a good chunk of those two starts will be on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Like, if he keeps rolling the way he does, let's say, trying to do quick math. Well, if he's head. at 41 and the record's 59, he's 18 innings, that's three starts. Okay, so three starts. That's probably If he does starts. six each. Yeah. So, is it completely out of the realm of possibility? Now... Granted, I need to apologize for my other completely out-of-the-realm-of-possibility comments from last week, but I'll do that in a second. <laughs> I don't think it's impossible. This might be one of the tougher starts he's going to have in terms of keeping that scoreless streak alive. Yeah. But hey, 
We were also the same people who were wondering, oh, is he even going to be able to keep it at home against the Brewers? Like, that Brewers team's pretty tough. And Arizona, the, the you know, the low sea level, like, it's easy to hit balls there, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's something about the way Zach Gallon is pitching right now that just leads me to believe that he's untouchable. Yeah, he'll break the franchise record. I, I believe that he'll be able to do that. And I hope that Brandon Webb is there or on the broadcast when it happens. I hope that that's... Uh, something they can celebrate together as an organization. I think that'd be really cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, does he beat Oral Hershiser? The, the odds are against it, but sure. is it a possibility? Yeah, sure, it is. Okay, how about this? Can I, can I put on an even bigger tinfoil hat? Do you think he pitches so well that he wins the National League Cy Young? Yeah, so it's interesting that you asked me that. Uh, we talked about this at length on the Ain't No Fang podcast. You can catch it at ArizonaSports.com. And, nice plug. Um, thank you. <laughs> I currently believe that Sandy Alcantara has the advantage. He's got well, of course. a 50-inning advantage on Gallon. He's pitched a lot more innings, and his ERA is lower. Yes. Um, now, neither of them are high strikeout guys, so you can't really just look at the strikeout numbers for that. There's a lot of good pitchers in the National League. One advantage that Gallon has for the award is that the two guys in Dodger Blue have less innings. That's Urias and that's Gonsolin. Uh, Gonsolin is still injured, by the way. Yes. So those guys are not likely to win it. Max Freed in Atlanta has really good numbers. They're actually very comparable to Zach Gallon's. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer your question in kind of a roundabout way, if he breaks the franchise record tomorrow... I don't think that wins you the Cy Young. I agree. I don't know that the rest of the nation cares so much that he's better than Brandon Webb's record. What if he gets to 50? 50 is where I it's kind of like the line of demarcation for me where over 50 innings now people are paying attention. Yes. Does it mean he wins the award? Not necessarily. No. If he breaks Oral Hershiser's record, you have to that's consider, a narrative right? you can get around. Because it's the same thing I'll talk about with Judge and Otani, like with the MVP, right? People want to vote for awards based on narratives, based on what's the best story going on. Judge has the story right now. He's chasing yeah. Roger Maris. He's a Yankee. He's a free agent at the end of the season. Oh, yeah. There's no narrative. There's no storyline for Sandy Alcantara, but there could be for Zach Gallen if he approaches or gets close to this Oral Hershiser record. So... I do think you make a good point. I think he might have a really good shot at the Cy Young. Right now, I say no. He's not winning it. But if he breaks the record, maybe. How about a comp? Last year's Cy Young award winner. How good of a pitcher was Robbie Ray until he's completely... the American League. Until he completely shut down hitters through August and September. Yeah. He didn't make the All-Star team. He was considered to just be having another Robbie Ray season where he throws a lot of pitches and he can't get anybody out. But he throws a lot of strikeouts, but he walks a lot of guys. Coming on strong in the second half is a really important thing for winning those awards. Also, look who's pitching really well in the second half right now. Robbie Ray. He lost last night, but that's also a good point. So, no, I, that's a good point, though. I mean, I think there is some recency bias and how about, when it comes how about, to voting. How about another one? How about a former Marlin, as a matter of fact? Giancarlo Stanton was completely out of the MVP conversation in 2017, until he hit like 30 home runs in the last two months of the year. You know, it's also interesting, too. We were talking about Sandy versus versus Gallon. Is not only were they teammates in Miami, but they came over in the same trade. Oh, the Ozuna trade? The Ozuna trade. <laughs> they both got moved to Miami for Marcelo Ozuna. Oh, my gosh. What's Magnaris Sierra up to, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. Beats me. Um, here's, here's an interesting question. I did some research into this, and I want to get your opinion. Okay. 
Where does Zach Gallen rank right now among all time Diamondbacks starting pitchers? He's got to be behind Randy. Well, yeah, at least Randy's number one. Is he behind Schilling? Yeah, we're. T- I mean, we're talking about Diamondbacks history, right? Yes, Diamondbacks history. So he's definitely Last, behind Art. Twenty-five years. He's definitely behind Big Unit. He's definitely yes. behind Schilling. Yes. Is he behind Webby? I would argue yes. Okay, so how about this? If he breaks this scoreless streak and he finishes top three in Cy Young, hell, if he makes the run and wins Cy Young, it'll be the Brandon Webb season. Or I think not. I think it I think it sounds like maybe you have Gallon a little higher on your list than I do, but I, I thought I was being bold. Well, uh, he's the, only got two years of service time under his belt. The other Keep part that, that I'm trying to remember is like other great Diamondbacks pitchers in history. So here's my list. Would you include Kennedy and Hudson? Would you include uh, Patrick no. Corbin? He no. was an all-star. Robbie no. Ray was an all-star. No, none of Zach those guys. Zach Granke was an all-star multiple yes. times. Like, there's Here's, a lot of interesting picks in there. Here's the list. This is the official list brought to you by Steve Zinsmeister. <laughs> Randy Johnson is number one. He won okay. four Cy Youngs in a row. Come on. It, He's look, the best left-handed pitcher the game has ever this. seen. He's we the most intimidating this. pitcher of all time. We don't have to argue this. It's Randy number Johnson. Number two is Kurt Schilling. And it's close between Schilling and Webb. But Kurt Schilling is number two because he won, He was second in the Cy Young voting for two years in a row. You know why he didn't win it? Randy Johnson. Randy, his teammate. He also helped the Diamondbacks win their one and only World Series. Yes. So Kurt Schilling's two. Brandon Webb is three. He won a Cy Young, and he was second place twice. Two other times. So Brandon Webb... Yeah. A really miraculous career as a whole. He's so. number three all time. Number four, I had Zach Granke. He had four and a half seasons here. I know the first one was pretty rocky, but he his numbers are better than Zach Gallen's numbers, and some of those are accruable over time. Zach Gallen's the fifth best pitcher, in my estimation, in Diamondbacks history. He's only been here two years. And I have him just ahead of Dan Heron. Just ahead of Dan I Heron. never thought I would hear that name today, either. Yeah, I, was afraid I think that's were, the list. I was afraid you were going to go Miguel Batista on me. Well, keep think to think about this for a second. Zach Gallen has the eighth highest accrued pitching war as a Diamondback. Okay. Now, obviously, war is something that you get over time. So there are sure. some guys above him that have higher war over time. Yes. Just like Miguel Bautista, he's ahead of Gallen, only because he played here longer. Right. Bautista, Corbin, Ray is in the top ten. Those guys only have more war than Zach Gallen because they played at least 195 innings more than he did. Every single guy ahead of Gallon on that list has at least 195 innings more. Zach Gallon's the fifth best pitcher in Diamondbacks history. Can you keep it up, though? Well, I mean, he's not season. a free agent until 2026. No, 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 no. I understand that, but are we going to get just this anomaly season, and then next year he gets hurt again and we only get flashes? No, you know why? There? No, no, you know why we won't? Because when he came up into the league... He set the MLB record for most starts to start a career with three or less earned runs. That's remarkable. He did that right out of the gate, and now he's got the scoreless inning streak. Hey, look, he's not the only pitcher to do historic things out the gate. Steven Strasburg was pretty historic out the gate, too. Sure. And I'm not trying to say, watch out, because Zach Allen's going to just be hurt the rest of his career like Steven Strasburg, and then he'll come back at the perfect time when they need to win the World Series. But it does happen where career anomalies just take a turn for the worst. Brandon Webb, how about? Injured his elbow and then could never throw a baseball again. Wow, you're being a real downer, dude. I'm not trying to be, but I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying, like it's not out of the realm of possibility. Try to enjoy the moment. Look, I'm gonna have to atone for my sins later when we talk Diamondbacks again. Yeah. For misleading so many people. So one week later you're you're no longer on the uh, Diamondbacks 
playoff train. Have you seen them play recently? That yeah. was quick. That was quick. That's what I'm here for, Trav. Quick opinions. Pull the tape. Pull the tape from six days ago or seven days ago, whatever it was. Uh, coming up next, we're going to go around the NFL. We're going to give you all the headlines that you need from all of the games going on in week one of the NFL season. That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday takes you around the NFL. That's right, baby. And this time when we go around the NFL, myself, Mitch Bereldis, himself, Steve Zinsmeister, himself, Trevor Henry behind the glass. This time when we go around the NFL, ladies and gentlemen, we've got actual NFL games to talk about this time. Week one, baby. Let's go to it. But... We're not going to do scores. We're not going to do anything like that. Just like, ooh, what is your prediction? Blah, blah, blah. That's what we call boring. Here's what we're going to do instead. Steve is going to be given a game. He's going to give me the storyline as to why you should watch that game. And then we're each going to give our fantasy breakout player for that game. Are you ready to go, Steve? I think so. Starting with the we're early find slate out. on Sunday. Divisional matchup in the NFC South. New Orleans Saints visiting the Atlanta Falcons. What is the storyline? Most interesting thing to me is Jameis Winston. I mean, this is a really interesting guy. I I know besides the Heisman thing and the stealing crabs from the grocery store and all yeah. that stuff. I mean, to me, the storyline around Jameis Winston, he's a guy who's had 5,000 passing yards in a season before. He's a guy who's capable of 30-plus touchdowns in a season. Is he going to clear up the mistakes? Is he going to be what everyone hoped he would be after Drew Brees left? In fairness, that team was 5-2 and two until he got hurt last year. Drew was a big part of it. Falcons are almost a completely new offense, by the way. So that's also very, an interesting aspect of this game. Um, I think probably the player to watch, I'm going to say Jameis. I think the fantasy breakout is going to be Kyle Pitts for Atlanta. I just think there's too many ways that they can utilize him. Granted, it's Marcus Mariota, but he was at one point a starting QB in this league. You can't say that he's not... You can say that he's not good, but it's not like he's terrible. And how long until they move on to Desmond Ritter? Exactly. I don't know the answer to that. I think Kyle Pitts is the one, especially if Drake London's not going to play. Next, checking in on an NFC West foe. The San Francisco 49ers on the road against the Chicago Bears. What's the storyline? To me, it's Debo Samuel. There was a tumultuous offseason there. He's probably the most dangerous weapon in the entire league when he's on his game. He's a guy who's going to run the ball five-plus times, probably for 50-plus yards, and then he's also going to be their best wide receiver. He's unlike any player in the league, but he wanted out. Right. And it didn't end up happening. They didn't move him. They ended up finally signing him. Is all well now between Debo Samuel and the Niners? Or is there some sort of rift? I don't know. Are all things good with Kevin Durant and the Nets? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. What is it with stars wanting to get traded and then not getting traded this offseason? Yeah, they I want to play for better teams, I guess. I don't know. Also, too, interesting note, uh, Jimmy G back with the 49ers. But Trey Lance is the guy now. That's a whole other thing. Because as you know, if you have multiple quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Exactly. Uh, give me the Niners' defense as the breakout. So sorry if you play super flex, but come on. It's the Niners' defense against this Bears' offense. They're going to have a heyday. Nick Bosa healthy. Fred Warner. That defensive backfield. I love the Niners' defense in this one. Let's check out the AFC. AFC North battle. The reigning AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals are hosting the Ben Roethlisberger-less 
That's a long word. Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> and I think it's telling that the Steelers went with Mitch Trubisky as a team captain. Yep. Tell me that doesn't mean that he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Steelers, at least in the short term. But to me, the storyline is Joe Burrow. You just went miraculously to the Super Bowl. They didn't quite get over the hump that they wanted to. Uh, they didn't pull it off. But the Bengals have an opportunity to start in week one to prove that they own that division. And I know that it's really more between them and the Ravens than it is them and the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is where you start building that track record. Upgraded offensive line, too. I think that gives Burrow a lot more time to work with. Granted, you have to worry about T.J. Watt on one end. But an upgraded offensive line was a key thing for them. Fantasy breakout. Let's go T. Higgins. Everybody loves Jamar Chase in this one. You love yeah. Burrow. You love Mixon. T. Higgins is a pretty good sleeper on this in this matchup. Philadelphia Eagles at the Detroit Lions. Ah, uh, is there is there a storyline there? Really, Jalen Hurts. People really. love Jalen Hurts. I, I know that nationally, a lot of people love him, especially as a fantasy quarterback. Uh, I think I've seen the Eagles picked the most out of anybody in the NFC East this season. I find that shocking, but I think they'll win the division too. I just don't trust Dallas. Leave it at that. Uh, fantasy pick. I'm in Ross St. Brown. Interesting character. He, the dude, remembers every wide receiver drafted ahead of him. And there were 16 wide receivers drafted ahead of him. That's pretty crazy to do. Watch out for Amon Ross St. Brown, the wide receiver for the Lions in this one. Patriots at the Dolphins. The Dolphins are going to be a playoff team. Okay. Do, do people disagree with that? I don't know. But I don't know I feel if it's like a the Dolphins... statement. It's just a very... Uh, a lot of questions around that I team. feel like that's a bold pick by me. I don't know. But really, what it is to me is, are the Patriots no longer the cream of the crop in that division? Because Bill Belichick yeah. hasn't really figured it out. Mac Jones is okay, but it, it, he's not Tom Brady. No one was going to be Tom Brady. I think the Dolphins are going to surprise some people and be second in this division behind the Bills. I think Tua is going to surprise a lot of people, too. Speaking of fantasy picks, he's got a brand new target. Tyree Kill. This one should be a simple one. Go get Tyree Kill if you don't have him already. Baltimore Ravens against the New York Jets. The Joe Flacco revenge game. <laughs> revenge game. Uh, I do think that that's an interesting storyline, but honestly, I was taken aback more by the Ravens not getting a deal done with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. He deserves the money. He's won the MVP award. At this point, I guess they're just waiting it out and see what happens. But how does he play in his final season under contract with the Ravens? Very interesting to see. Elijah Moore, wide receiver of the Jets, is my fantasy breakout pick of this game. The reason being is because he plays so much better when Zach Wilson isn't the quarterback. I'm not kidding. Look up the stats. It's pretty creepy. Here's the uh, what I'm going to call the dud of the week. The Jacksonville Jaguars against the Washington Commanders. I'm not going to say they're going to make the playoffs. But I think the Jaguars will be much improved. Sure. First of all, you get rid of Urban Meyer. Thank goodness. Second of all, Doug Peterson's a pretty good coach, by the way. He won a Super Bowl. Uh, I think that that offense is going to increase leaps and bounds. I think that Trevor is going to finally find his footing in the NFL. And I think that they've got some really good targets, especially Christian Kirk, former Cardinal, now over in Jacksonville. Look for them to improve. I hope that they improve. And they've got an improved running attack now that Travis Etienne is healthy. But I'm still wondering, man, like James Robinson's still a pretty good running back. Yeah, two really good years for him. It's a tough bet, but if you have a flex spot open and you really need somebody, I think James Robinson might be one to look out for. Cleveland Browns, no Deshaun Watson for 11 weeks. This being one of them in the Carolina Panthers or Baker Mayfield revenge Revenge game. It's all about the revenge games for me, guys. Baker Mayfield in a new uniform. He Sam Darnold will not play for the Panthers again. Book it. I'm telling you, well, Baker Mayfield will be awesome. Again. 
I'm not saying Baker's going to be like a pro bowler or he's going to win the Super Bowl, but he's going to be what the Panthers wanted in Sam Darnold all along. And the Browns are playing Jacoby Brissett. So put that in perspective. If you got a super flex league and you need two QBs, Baker Mayfield might not be a bad second option if you're weak in that category. Indianapolis Colts with their new QB, Matt Ryan, against the Houston Texans. I think the Texans are kind of the underdog in every way. I mean, I like Brandon Cooks as a receiver, but is he going to get a, a good option from his quarterback? Davis Mills, Davis Mills I don't, likes to throw. I don't really believe in him, though. But the Texans are playing with zero expectations, and that makes them a dangerous team on certain weeks. Unfortunately, they're playing the Colts, and the Colts are not going to lose this game. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to run all over these dudes. Who's the number one wide receiver on the Colts? Uh, exactly. Oh, uh, Michael Pittman? He's going to be the fantasy breakout player of this game. Michael because, Pittman. Why? Because he's the best target that Matt Ryan has. I almost said T.Y. Hilton. Is he still there? <laughs> no, he's done. Okay. The New York Giants at the Tennessee Titans. I, I, I know people don't like the Titans, and everybody's picking them as the team that falls out of the playoff picture. I get it. Derrick Henry missed a bunch of time, and Ryan Tannehill's not amazing. I'm here to tell you that Derrick Henry is still the best running back in, in all of the NFL. And he's probably the safest fantasy pick out of any of the other players in this game. And Derek. I've never had confidence in the Giants ever, so why would I start now? Green Bay Packers on the road. NFC North matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of high hopes for the Vikings this year. Yeah, people are high on the Vikes. I think that people are starting to come around a little bit to Kirk Cousins. It doesn't mean he's accomplished anything significant yet. No. I think he's a decent quarterback in this league. The Packers just lost all their weapons in the offseason. I don't know who the heck Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball to. Does it matter? Whoever he's throwing the ball to, whoever his number one target is, you might want to pick that guy up for week two in your fantasy league. Fantasy sleeper. A.J. Dillon, second running back behind Aaron Jones on Green Bay. A.J. Dillon had a pretty solid year last year. Might be that ground-and-pound guy right at the goal line. Who knows? Uh, This weekend's affair here in the Valley. Kansas City Chiefs against the Arizona Cardinals. It's Cliff versus his former quarterback. That's pretty intriguing. Yes. Uh, But really, I mean, here locally, all you're going to hear about is the extensive injury report for the Arizona Cardinals. Is J.J. Watt going to be missing a bunch of games again this season? That's something I'm thinking about. Take the Chiefs' defense in this one. Oh. This is an interesting one because the Chiefs' defense is also probably as weak as the Cardinals' defense. But Patrick Mahomes trying to figure out who he's going to throw to consistently. And if the Chiefs, or excuse me, Kyler Murray still trying to figure out who he's going to throw to. And if he slips up once, I think the Chiefs' defense is going to take advantage. Three more. Raiders, Chargers. It's the probably the best division in football is the AFC West. And so it starts in week one to figure out who's going to take the lead in that division. Everybody loves the Chargers this year. Everybody. But all I'm saying is I want to figure out in week one, how does Devontae Adams fit into the Raiders offense? Are he and Hunter Renfro going to become the next great duo of wide receivers in this league? It's a possibility. Darren Waller, fantasy pick. Just got paid? Yeah, he's three to, years. He's starting to feel really healthy, at least, I That's think. That's true. That's a good point. Sunday Night Football, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Dallas Cowboys. I'm here to tell you, Tom Brady, downfall 2022. Here it comes, Reportedly, right? he and Giselle are not happy with each other, or at least she's not happy with him, I'm guessing. Leonard Fournette breakout game. Buccaneers defense is going to feast in this one. Monday night, Denver Broncos, Seattle Seahawks, or... The Drew Lock revenge game. Oh, see, I was going to go Russell Wilson revenge game, but yeah, okay, but that's, that's the fine. fun one. That's the fun one. Well, you know, Drew Lock. Drew Lock's he, not even going to play. <laughs> he's not a starting caliber quarterback in this league. Sorry, I don't think that's a bold take. Uh, I'm watching Russell Wilson. He's going to carve up his former team on Monday Night Football. It'll be good to see. And in case you missed it, the Buffalo Bills beat the L.A. Rams on Thursday night. Coming up next, hour two of Arizona Sports Saturday. Got to check.
check in with our guy Tyler Drake, who covers the Cardinals for ArizonaSports.com, next on Arizona Sports Saturday.